Welcome to Startup Spotlight with the California Technology Council, where we shine a spotlight on top technology regions around the world and the companies and organizations that make them tick. This episode of Startup Spotlight is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank, providing CTC members with discounts on 409A valuations. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. Now we turn to our host, Michael McGeary. On this episode of Startup Spotlight, we're visiting our neighbors to the north to tell a story of entrepreneurship, technology, and how Oregon is on the fast track to becoming a global leader in the startup space. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Michael McGarry. And indeed, Portlandia is much more than a hipster paradise, where marrying maple and bacon on a donut has been elevated to a fine art. It was already a top 10 region for startup activity, according to a 2013 Kauffman Foundation study, and a recent report released by the Technology Association of Oregon shows continued growth. Quoting the report, in Oregon, the last decade has seen the birth of an ever-increasing number of startup incubators, accelerators, and organizations offering support services to entrepreneurs. These organizations as a whole have made a seed and angel stage investment in approximately 100 companies totaling over $36 million. And those companies in turn have leveraged this high-risk investment in order to grow, providing high-wage jobs for 2,000 Oregonians. Today, I want to explore a lot of that success. And what it has to do is what has to do with a lot uh, with my guests here today and their leadership and their stewardship of what Portland and Oregon in general is doing to cement its status as a global entrepreneurship leader. Uh, my first guest today is the president of the Technology Association of Oregon, Skip Newberry. Hello, Skip. Hi, Mike. Uh, also joining us is the founder and CEO of the Portland-based company CloudAbility, Matt Ellis. Hello, Matt. Hello, Mike. And also a reporter from the Portland Business Journal, Malia Spencer. Hi, Mike. Hi, Malia. And I'd like to start actually with you. We talked a little bit about uh, in the open Portland's growth as an entrepreneurial destination. And we've really seen that ramp up um, even in the past few months and certainly over the past few years. But what is the state of play now in the community and and how can you describe sort of what's happening on the ground? Uh, well, it's definitely an exciting time to be here. Um, there's kind of that vibe that something big is, is happening. Um, I got here a year and a half ago, and pretty much immediately people were telling me about, you know, these six to eight companies in town that are growing real fast, and somebody's going to IPO, and it'll break this 10-year IPO drought that uh, the Portland tech scene has had. So there's definitely a lot of excitement around that. Um, companies like Puppet Labs and Elemental Technologies and Act On Software that everybody's really just watching closely to see how they're going to continue to grow. And as they grow, they bring people to town and it just kind of continues that excitement. Um, there's also sort of the sense of discovery, I think, um, particularly people from out of the area, but down in the Bay Area that are seeing what's happening here and coming here and um, deciding to move here or bring their startups here or even the big companies realizing the talent that's here and opening up big offices. Um, I feel like just about every other week I'm writing about somebody that's, that's looking for space or has just leased a big space and they're going to go hire everybody. So there's definitely a lot going on. Fast and furious growth to be sure. And Skip, with your organization at TAO, I know that there's been a lot of uh, movement uh, working through you guys to help foment a lot of that growth. But talk a little bit about um, what you've been up to and, and, uh, and how you've seen TAO position itself 
uh, to help spur on that growth as well. Yeah. So um, in the last last three years, three and a half years uh, at, at TAO, we've been really focused on um, ways that we can um, really hone in on what are the inputs to growth that enable um, these companies to succeed, whether it's the high growth startups that Malia referred to that kind of grew up um, right before the, the recession um, and then survived and were even stronger for it and then took off afterwards, um, or whether it's the next wave of startups that um, have uh, been formed in just recent years. Um, we're looking at ways that through those, those inputs like access to capital, like access to and um, availability of talent, um, and also the, uh, the sort of regulatory environment, how are we able to um, help shape some of these macro level uh, inputs that all companies here uh, in tech can benefit from? And so we've developed some programs over the years that have focused on ways we can um, hone in on uh, curriculum development with the university system, with higher ed in general in the state. Uh, we have a foundation that's doing work um, at the K through 12 level. Uh, with the long-term talent pipeline. Uh, we also have um, some initiatives underway with uh, Work Systems, which is our regional workforce investment board, um, looking at some different ways that we can uh, access incumbent workers and get them uh, skilled up and trained so that they're able to make a big impact. And then also folks who are uh, disconnected from the uh, opportunities that exist in tech. And, and that kind of leads us to an area where um, in terms of talent development, we've been focusing a lot more time and attention as a community and as TAO, uh, which is on, on diversity and inclusion. And uh, that's something we can maybe talk about a little bit more in depth uh, as we go uh, in this conversation. It's a big topic nationally, and it's one that we're focused on here as well. And in terms of access to capital, um, you know, we've had a lot of growth in, in early stage angel investing uh, in the state with more people jumping into the fray and serving as investors. There still continue to be some gaps, especially with um, later stage seed uh, or bigger seed rounds and, and later stage investment like Series A. Um, so that's something that we're also working on is giving visibility to those early deals that exist here to funding sources both in the state and outside of it. And then finally, on the regulatory environment, we've been incredibly active at the state and local levels um, on a lot of the, um, the issues that impact everything from sharing economy and emerging business models there to um, other areas where we've had a little bit of tension between technology innovation uh, and the regulatory environment as it's traditionally existed. That's fantastic, and, and one of the one of the key areas there. And, and and Skip and I have known each other a long time. And one of the things I've always been impressed with in, in looking at Oregon from the outside is the ability of TAO and major players in the space to take action on on these issues. Whether it's from the access to capital side or something like diversity in hiring, you know, running running across the board, and being being able to work on both a local and national and really global scale to help influence and affect those debates. And I think that's a really key part of, of how uh, TAO has been able to help manage and, and foment that growth as well. So I'm, I'm glad you talked about that. And we're going to hit on that a little more in a minute. But I want to turn to Matt, if I could. Um, you're, you're the business owner among us. And I, I'm curious as to what brought you to um, start up and, and scale up in Portland um, and what keeps you there. Uh, and and what what is it that you see in terms of 
what's happening in Oregon that, that really helps you uh, believe in, in how that can help your company continue to grow? Well, Mike, I came here by accident. I had no idea there was a startup scene here. And I reluctantly uh, moved here in the middle of the last recession, gave up my job uh, in the other city we're living in after we had our second child and my wife said she needed to be closer to family. And it was a wonderful surprise uh, to come across um, the five, the six to eight companies that Malia talked about uh, in downtown Portland. Um, and that's when I realized that um, I'd, I'd previously been in the Bay and I realized that one of the important ingredients for that pre-Series A company is density. You need other startups. You need all the advisors around them. You need their connections into financing. And it doesn't really matter whether the angel who's writing your check lives in Portland or on the other side of the country. Um, as long as you've got direct social access to them um, through people who you've got to know face to face, then you've got enough density to get yourself off the ground and get yourself to credibility where you can go raise that big round from the Sand Hill Row guys. And what the six to eight companies that Malia talked about did was they allowed us to stay in Portland. So in, in 2011, we first started raising money. Um, we all told our partners that we were going to have to move back to the Bay. But during that year, uh, Portland went from, all oh, right, you'll move down here to the Bay when we fund you, to, oh, Portland, oh, that's an interesting cluster. We're very lucky to be able to invest in a Portland firm. So, you know, the density is the most important thing to get going. Once you get going, you need access to other resources and in particular to talent. And that's where we have another, I think, very recent opportunity. And Portland is full. I've never been to a city so full of people who came to live here uh, after just one visit. Uh, my father-in-law came here for a conference and decided that's it. We're moving to Portland. It's a beautiful city. It's very livable. And we at the same time have all the other major clusters like uh, New York and uh, San Francisco becoming increasingly difficult to live in. And uh, you also have an industry that's kind of maturing. So you have people in their 30s who are at the top of their profession uh, looking to start families, looking to own a house. It's actually pretty straightforward to get people to relocate to Portland. And we have over 40 uh, technical employees in Portland and about half of them relocated to the city. So we have a great place to come live. Um, if we target the right people, they, they want to come move here. Um, we meet a lot of people who are looking to move here um, and, and they approach us. Uh, we have density to start with and we have credibility. Um, so we've got everything we need um, to get a business. And, and you're seeing this come out in things like Puppet doing their IPO next year. They moved here from Tennessee. And after five years in the city, they're going gangbusters. I think they have over 400 employees now. And um, they're where we all want to go. And because they're going there, our investors believe we can go there too. Well, and, and you know, certainly the the quality of life argument, um, you know, on, on top of all that, I mean, Portland's just such a wonderful city to explore and and, uh, and 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 be in. But also that density argument that you make is really key. And in traveling around to to other uh, startup locations all around the world, that sort of um, density and community is important. But also the the reaffirming sense of community in Portland, of of companies wanting to to work with each other to help grow the entire ecosystem is one that I think has has really helped spur this growth along as well as all the other factors. And so I'm going to turn to you, Skip, and you know, you look at, at the state of Oregon on the whole uh, as well. And what are you doing to get more mats, starting more businesses and creating more density, not just in Portland, 
But what are you doing in terms of stewardship of the community and, and new initiatives through TAO uh, to help broaden that focus out to to other what might have been, you know, more underserved areas throughout Oregon and, and, and create that sense of community and, and, and growth as well? Yeah, that's um, that's been a big focus of ours over the last year in particular. Um, we uh, as a board uh, decided last <clears throat> last fall that um, the statewide influence and impact was going to be the number one focus of the association uh, in, in 2015. And we uh, we started first looking at two regions that um, made a lot of sense because of their critical mass of um, of startups and tech companies there. And this is something that Matt alluded to. It kind of drove our uh, decision to say, okay, where is there enough um, interest and demand to support some of the services that we can provide? And we started first looking at Eugene. And uh, in March of this past year, we uh, expanded and opened up our first office there uh, with a director level position. And um, our director, Matt Sayre, has been uh, just going gangbusters uh, since starting uh, we have over 25 member companies that have joined uh, that are new uh, in the Eugene area in just the last few months. And um, what's interesting about it is that, you know, similar to Oregon on a national stage, starting to uh, get some recognition for some interesting companies that are here, some great, uh, you know, trends in technology and some great innovation. Uh, similarly, in Oregon, we find that, you know, we're doing the same thing now in these other emerging tech hubs that are outside of Portland, Eugene being one of them. So Eugene has this amazing cluster of um, video game companies. Uh, they have over 400 people working in, uh, in video game uh, studios and, and as independents um, in Eugene. And, uh, you know, Zanga, Disney Studios, some of the larger players have um, a presence there. But then there's also homegrown um really strong studios with 60, 70 employees. And um, it represents a really vibrant uh, portion of the economy in Eugene and, and at the state level. And then the other part of it is education technology. There's some really fantastic stuff going on with the University of Oregon in terms of research. And then there's some uh, smaller companies in the area that are doing really world-class um, projects and, and developing products for uh, major brands all over the world. And they happen to be based in Eugene. And so there's some interesting assets that they're working with, that they're starting with. And uh, we've seen the, the, um, the interest in um, especially helping startups uh, to be really strong, especially in these smaller communities. The other thing that they're looking to do is try and, um, you know, focus on the same inputs to growth. And for many of these uh, communities, which are smaller, critical mass becomes even more of an issue in, in marketing the region and, and also making sure that they're able to communicate uh, to people who want to um, relocate there, that there's an abundance of opportunities, that there's enough firms there that are hiring and doing interesting things where if plan A doesn't work out, there's a couple of fallback options. And so by kind of marketing these regions as part of a whole, you know, Portland is very much connected to Eugene and vice versa. And now we're also looking at Bend in the central part of the state. That really helps to strengthen the overall message as a region, as a hub and spoke model, um, and we're, as we're trying to look at some of these inputs, because so much of the inputs, um, the state and other regional players have a significant role to play there. And so to the extent that we're looking at it at that systems level, um, it'll be important for us to secure additional funding and partners um, in dealing with the state and dealing with uh, foundations that work at a regional level. 
as we try to tackle some of these, these major uh, issues that confront the tech industry. Well, that's, that's just uh, a, a great way of, of looking at that, that hub and spoke system of, of how you can move that growth throughout. And I know, you know, focusing on Eugene um, with the university there, you know, is, uh, and, and the, that pipeline of video game companies like that's just such a huge uh, boon for you. Plus, as I found out on my drive uh, down from Portland uh, with my kids, the line at Voodoo Donuts in Eugene is generally much shorter. So you do have that as an <laughs> Um uh, but I, I, I want to point out one other place you're, you're also um, taking on a lot of activity in other city, which is Salem, the state capital. Yep. Um, and a lot of this has to do with that advocacy platform and program that you've been able to build in through, um, through TAO with the use of board members like Matt um, to help advance um, some of the key things you think can help and where the, where the state um, and local governments can help, you know, foment and, and, and uh, grow uh, more of this kind of activity. I, I wondered if if uh, if you might talk both Skip and Matt and Malia, if you have thoughts here as well, um, sort of how you see the best practices at intersecting between the public and the private and where you've had the most success in terms of um, how you've built those relationships and, and the results you've been able to see. Yeah, just, just to provide a little bit of uh, context and then uh, we can let Matt uh, take it away. Um, you know, when I joined the TAO, it was um, because I'd come from the public sector and worked in the mayor's office previously, and a lot of the work I did on economic development was in, in direct relation to public-private initiatives. And um, what we're seeing now is that uh, the tech community here is really actively engaged and interested in trying to improve the community and the livability, the infrastructure that exists here. The tech community views itself as inextricably tied to the sen a sense of place um, because employees have decided to stay here and grow their careers here uh, and relocate here because they're attracted to all of the other aspects that make this region fan uh, fantastic to live in. And, and so as we're looking at the competitive advantage of the tech industry, it really is incumbent upon us to say, okay, 10 years down the line, if we've got all these people moving here from all over the country, that's gonna put a strain on infrastructure. So what are some of the things that we can do as a tech industry to help be a positive influence, a change agent, and helping to you know, provide some resources and innovation to think of new ways to support and grow infrastructure, whether it's transportation, whether it's looking at uh, things such as affordable housing. These are all things that are gonna be very, very important to the future success of the tech industry. And then in terms of Salem, uh, we've been doing a lot of work on both uh, um, sort of uh, proactive as well as defensive posture. And, and in terms of proactive stuff, um, a lot of our framework, policy framework, focuses on uh, talent and education, um, capital, and, and uh, areas where we see tension between innovation and uh, the regulatory environment, it's kind of our general catch-all. And, um, and so in terms of work we've been doing there uh, over the last three years, a lot of it's focused on more funding for um, uh, tech-related at the K through 12 level, uh, continuing technical education as people are transitioning to the workforce. Um, we've also been focused on different um, types of uh, curricula and the ways in which the state can fund um, different university projects that are focused on engineering and technology development. And so those are some areas where we've been very active. We've also been working to um, work with the governor and the treasurer on the Oregon innovation or Oregon um, uh, 
Morgan's focus on a fund of funds and, and uh, looking at ways to attract uh, and incent more uh, investments in the state. Um, so those are some areas where we've been uh, very kind of laser focused. And I think there's a, an opportunity for us now to start to look at, okay, as we've been gaining influence, where are we going to put our time and attention? And in terms of projects, we've been doing more public-private initiatives, creating new markets and using the government and public sector to connect with tech companies and everything from early adopter programs for startups to larger opportunities for large companies to come in and uh, prototype new projects um, in these little sandboxes uh, created by the city and other local governments. And um, on the policy side, you know, that's where I think we're going to be looking as tech becomes ubiquitous. Um, we're going to have to kind of be careful about framing out where do we engage and where do we, uh, you know, kind of be part of a larger business um, uh, coalition. And Matt, if you could talk a little bit about your sort of involvement in, in this as, as a board member and, and how you see yourself intersecting with that, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, this may be a horrible shock to some of the people I've pitched our business to, but most um, startup, um, not just the founders, but employees, um, are in this to create a better tomorrow. And if you get paid lots of money, then that's great too. But we really care. Uh, and the sense of place that the skip refers to plays a big part in that. And so, um, uh, but as a startup guy, uh, the pace at which we work at and the level of risk we can take is completely different to what government and public policy can take. And so we rely, uh, we're very lucky to have folk like Skip and the team he's built at TAO to help advise us on how best to focus that. And generally, uh, I look on three um, things that I can do, uh, we can do at Cloudability. Uh, one is um, to build a great company. Um, there are some great companies already in Portland, Nike's the best known of them. And the more of those companies that can exist um, in Oregon, uh, the better the place will be, even if we never talk to a single person on the public side. Um, secondly, um, you know, it's a long thing. Um, we're not going to have any results this month. And, and that means that when you work with the TAO, you really are giving up some time for the greater good. And, and it's not something that will immediately benefit your startup. But if, you, if, it, if it works, we will in the long run. And then third, um, we um, are focused on a few uh, key areas where there's a desire for change in public policy, um, but they need to have um, some cover or some support uh, or, or even some guidance. And one of the great things about Oregon um, is it's a very small place. There's only three and a half million people. And you do get um, a proper dialogue with many of the people um, trying to formulate public policy. It really feels like um, even if uh, people disagree, that the data you bring to the argument is absorbed. Um, and there is still a genuine political process that's going on here in Oregon where all sides uh, get to debate and um, uh, startups do a pretty crummy job of being there early on. They're really good at getting up and stopping things like SOPA from happening uh, or, you know, forcing through Uber into a town, uh, but they don't spend the time um, to be there in the early days. And TAO has uh, been a very effective organization to have those conversations early on. So, um, yeah, we, we're just trying to build a big company uh, put our efforts in over a multi-year uh, stage and rely on people like Skip to help us uh, meet the right folk and have the conversations early. Well, it's great to have that that resource, uh, certainly. And uh, and I know from my own experience that you're absolutely right, Matt. It, it Sometimes it feels like startups can only 
you know, put up a wall and, and defend when absolutely necessary or try to ram something through. But more and more, um, hopefully we get more organizations like TAO and others that are helping shepherd this kind of activity, activity and advising you on, on how to do it because it really can have that kind of critical um, impact uh, towards success uh, and, and, and in, the, in what you want to see happen. Um, in the few minutes we have left, I want to take a look um, at, at where things are going, where sort of you see, you know, after the last, you know, two, three years of, of seemingly just insane growth in, in density in Portland. Take a look at the next year, year and a half uh, for me and, and, and what are you focused on um, and, and how do you see the community, community growing? Um, Malia, what are, what, are you, what are some of the things you're looking at out in the, out in the community in terms of what you see coming down the road? Um, well, it's uh, going to be a lot of the same, I think, um, but it might be even more so, um, only because, like we had mentioned earlier, you know, there's, there's a couple companies that have sort of hinted that they might IPO within the next year, in the case of Puppet, or in the next two years. And I think once that happens, if they're successful, there's going to be even more attention paid to what's, what's happening in Portland and, you know, the few people that aren't already thinking about Portland or looking at Portland are going to start checking checking the city out and I think that might um, like I said just just add more attention to it more fuel to the fire um, I'm also definitely watching um, the talent issue um, because as we have all these successful companies I think um, you know everybody's looking for the same people and so just trying to, to figure out you know can we bring enough interested engineers into the city who want to to move here or you know what happens with you know can we grow our own pipeline of talent um you know what about management level talent um that's something else i'm starting to hear more companies um concerned about and trying trying to find um i also think there might be um some more companies you know setting up offices elsewhere just in terms of you know their headquarters here but maybe they'll grow an office somewhere else because that's where they're finding the engineers and you know uh so i think there's just going to be kind of a lot of the same sort of issues but they'll just um uh be different, uh, different facets of it as the companies continue to get bigger. The talent issue is definitely one that we face uh, here in California, uh, and and one that comes along as so many more of these uh, companies scale up and and that density grows even thicker. So uh, that'll mm -hmm. be a, an interesting one to confront. Surely, um, Skip. In terms of TAO, where do you see the organization um, spending time, and and how are you looking to spend your time over the next uh, year, year and a half? in continuing to help uh, Oregon grow? Yeah, big big focus uh, is gonna be on talent, not surprisingly, uh, both in terms of growing our own and raising the visibility of the companies that are here to you know, try and attract more people uh, from other markets who wanna uh, come to Oregon. Um, it's both a short and long-term problem that we're trying to address. And uh, another area where we've been uh, focused is continuing to um, develop out some of these relationships that we have with our uh, public sector and other nonprofit partners in the state. A big part of what we do is we, we identify needs on the part of the tech industry, and then we help to design uh, solutions uh, for them. And in many cases, we're not necessarily the organization that delivers those end solutions, but we're um, very involved in the design and, and development of them. And so we'll be continuing to look at some different ways that we can create new markets in the state uh, for startups and later stage companies to come together and 
um, do projects locally and then uh, take those globally. Uh, so one area we've been very active is in uh, smart cities related applications. Uh, and then also doing work in uh, agricultural regions around the state. Uh, Oregon's really well known uh, for its uh, food supply system. And uh, there's a whole host of, of interesting issues and opportunities there that have uh, a tech uh, flavor and a, a set of tech solutions that could be brought to bear. And so we'll be continuing to further to, to do work there um, in developing clusters of companies, prototype solutions, and then looking for opportunities to scale that those types of projects elsewhere in other markets. Well, it certainly sounds like a lot of people have a lot of busy work ahead for themselves. So I think we'll have to leave it there. Um, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank my guests, uh, Skip Newberry, Matt Ellis, and Malia Spencer for, for talking about uh, Portland and Oregon. And I want to thank you for listening to Startup Spotlight and joining us. And we'll talk to you again very soon. For now, goodbye. Startup Spotlight is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.